if you weren't here at the beginning, let me uh, welcome you again and say happy Father's Day to all the dads, granddads, those men who've served or are serving as mentors to others. We're really, really glad that you are here with us today and hope you have a wonderful day uh, when this service is over with. Uh, we have, of course, been in Proverbs and we have spent 12 weeks looking at the first nine chapters of the book of Proverbs which is really about teaching us the value of wisdom and why we should love wisdom, why we should treasure it, why we should seek after it. And we have now arrived at the part of Proverbs that is probably most familiar to all of us, the wise sayings. Those short, usually one, two-sentence sayings that are used to communicate a wise principle or truth And in the book of Proverbs, we have all of these wise sayings that were written or adapted or collected according to the guidance of the Lord by King Solomon. And we are not going to teach through all of these wise sayings, but what we're going to do over the next several weeks in completing this series is we're going to look at different collections of topics of these wise sayings from Proverbs. We are reading, by the way, all the wise sayings together. So we've been reading two chapters a week, and I hope you've been joining in on that. But if you have kind of fallen off of it, or if you haven't started, you can pick up this week. So we're doing chapter 24 and 25 this week upcoming, and just reading those. I've suggested reading a few at a time, and praying, and pondering those as you um, as you look at them, and asking God to give wisdom through them. When it comes to the Proverbs, one theologian says that Proverbs plays a significant role in the church's understanding of ethics. That Proverbs itself, the book, refines and reapplies these ethical principles that were presented in Israel's covenant living in the Old Testament. But that Proverbs also provides for us a foundation for the New Testament concept of living in the kingdom of God. What we talked about when we went through the Sermon on the Mount. And so in this sense, Proverbs describes for us not only how people might live wisely, but also how we might live in such a way that we embody the virtues of Jesus and His kingdom. And so we're going to look at some of these topics, these collections of sayings over the next several weeks, and we're beginning today with the wisdom of the fellowship. This topic is about Christian friendship. And if you have been reading the wise sayings, then you know that Proverbs has a lot to say about friendship and about godly friends. If you're a note-taker and you have one of the worship guides, let's start with this life truth this morning. Actually... We call an audible before we do the life truth. Let's pray over our time in the Word. Father, we love you, and I thank you for this gathering today. For the way that we have been led, invited to worship already through hearing your Word. As Mike pointed out, I I pray, God, that that Word as it was read was impactful to people. You've also invited us to worship through singing truths about You. And I pray that the things that we 
have sung this morning would be deep in our heart and would resonate in us. Pray, God, that it would not just be lyrics, but that it would be truths that we are affectionate for You and that we sing as a way of expressing that. We have the opportunity to worship God through giving back to You what You have given to us and we have the opportunity to worship in Your Word. And so I pray now, God, for the spiritual gifts of teaching and preaching that this time would not rely on me or my strength or my study, but God, that it would would rely on You and Your work among us. And I pray that You would Give me those gifts that I need and then I pray that You would give us the gifts of hearing. That Your Word would find its mark in our hearts and would build us up and change us. And in particular, God, as we study Your Word today and the wisdom of the church and the community and of friendships, I pray, God, that we would be open to what You say. I pray that we would not be distracted from it but God, that we would have the honor of hearing You speak to our souls this morning and that we would respond. God, we can only do this with Your help, so I pray for it. In Jesus' name, Amen. Now this life truth. It is the wisdom of God for each true believer to be closely bound to other believers. And we are to be closely bound by the gospel of Jesus and for the purpose of a shared mission. And it is this connection that creates and maintains the most important of friendships. It is the wisdom of God to be bound one believer to another. No matter how we may have grown up, no matter what our personality may be, there is no picture in the Bible of isolated Christianity. There is no picture in the Bible of even just attending a service as your only Christian responsibility. You you do not get that from reading the New Testament. That idea of church, either that it is optional to be a part of a family of God or that it is simply enough to come and sit and take in and leave and and that be our only interaction. That is not a New Testament ideal. That's an American ideal. It is a cultural ideal that has been built. The Gospel... The Bible says we are to be closely bound to other believers. I'm going to try to make the case to you today that the relationships you have in the church should be your closest relationships. We are to be bound to other believers and we are bound by the gospel of Jesus and for a purpose, and that purpose is shared mission. And it is that connection that creates and maintains friendships. Our opening passage this morning, I love the fact that Mike was so moved by verse 9 because verse 9 is the centerpiece of why I chose that passage for us today. And in that opening passage, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10, 
in verse 9, I want to call your attention to what Paul says, that we, the church, he's talking to the Corinthians there, but it applies to all of the church, we have been called by God into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ. And in the Greek, the fellowship is one word. And it is a word that you might be familiar with. It is a word that is a common descriptor of the church in the New Testament. And the word is koinonia. And the word koinonia that the New Testament uses to describe the community of God in the New Testament, to describe the church, that word koinonia is best translated to mean partnership. So in your notes, if you want to write that in the... In the blank, you can. It means partnership. Right away, we understand by that word that God chose to describe the church that it is not simply something we attend. You can write another word there if you want. It's very closely related that you can translate it partnership or participation. Koinonia means both. Partnership and participation. And that is the word that God has chosen to describe the community of the family of faith. By grace, through faith, God calls us to join the partnership or the participation of the church whose head shepherd is Jesus. So it is the koinonia of Jesus that He is calling all of us into, but we are called into it together. Therefore, it is the koinonia that we are all joined to by faith. And in this partnership, we all participate together in the activities that God has prescribed to us. One of the things that we try to do at Agape is there's nothing that we're doing just to do it. We try to connect everything that we call you to, everything that we present to you to this purpose of shared mission, whether it is loving God together through corporate worship and prayer, or making disciples in community groups, or outreach and evangelism, loving each other in fellowship, everything that we call you to, it is part of this shared mission that God has prescribed for us. So we love God together. We serve one another in love. We practice disciple making. And what I really want to get across to us this morning, it is this partnership that binds us together. And Paul makes that clear in verse 10, in that opening passage. Because from verse 9, when he says, God's called you into the fellowship, the koinonia of His Son Jesus, he then immediately says, now, based on that, I appeal to you. Have oneness. Be in agreement. And he explains what that agreement should look like. That we should be growing in the same mind. That means we should be working to think the same way. The way Jesus thinks. And have the same judgment. Or you can translate that the same conviction. Which means we are to be working on believing and being convicted of the same things. Agape, this partnership that we are called to, we must intentionally participate in it. We're not going to accidentally fall into this. It is going to take intentional activity, intentional pursuit, intentional spending of energy and time in order for us to participate in what God has called us to. And this is what binds us together. And the point I want to make to you this morning is I believe that the biblical model is that from this partnership or out of this partnership that we're being called into, that is where the greatest friendships are birthed. Now, here's what I think we do. 
and I'm painting with a broad brush, so that I don't mean this for everyone, but I think our mindset is, even in the church, is let me find friends and let me make friends. And if I can find friends and make friends, then maybe out of those friendships, we can birth community and partnership. And the point I want to make to you this morning is I think that's backwards. I think the biblical model is that we are called into something much greater than ourselves. This koinonia, this fellowship, and that when we give ourselves to it, from that, friendships are birthed. Meaningful friendships that will last a lifetime. In the Old Testament, God called Abraham and Moses into His service. And then later, He said they are friends of God. Jesus in the New Testament calls His disciples to Himself. Some of them, we don't even know if Jesus even had any interaction with them before He called them. But He calls them to Himself and He forms a team. And by the way, it was a very diverse team. It was a diverse team of different backgrounds and different economic situations, even different ideologies. Put a team together that had a Jewish zealot who cared nothing about anything except overthrowing Rome. And then he puts a Roman or a Jewish Roman tax collector on his team who works for the Romans. He did that intentionally. And then from that team, in that team, he gives them this shared mission and then later he calls them not just his servants, but he says, you're also my friends. And he extends that to all faithful believers and he says, You are my friends if you do what I command you. In Acts 20, you see the leaders of the church in Ephesus getting on their knees with the Apostle Paul and crying because it is time for him to leave. And they know they will probably never see him again. And that bond they had was formed over three years of Paul working with those leaders to start and grow building a church in Ephesus. That's the biblical model. God calls us into something together. And then from that, we form incredible friendships. Seeking God alongside of each other. You know what? What this morning, the worship team was leading us, and then all of a sudden, you know, Sam, it just, Sam doesn't do those kinds of things for show. I knew immediately what it was. Like he was just overwhelmed with thanksgiving to God. You can't, you can't get that just worshiping alone at home. To hear other people singing and worshiping and being moved by them. I loved worshiping beside John this morning. Him and I were stumbling over some of the words, but like we were just enthusiastically together just singing. And I could hear him and he, he might have unfortunately been able to hear me, but we're doing that together. We love God alongside of each other. We serve each other with generosity and investments of time. We pray for each other. We encourage each other. We partner with each other for evangelism and discipleship. And these are the ways that God has ordained to create and maintain friendships. If someone were to ask you that, okay, well, how how do I make friends? We might think of things like, well, invite somebody to go get coffee. Look for somebody that has mutual interests. Find out someone that has hobbies that you like and get together with them. And look, you can make friendships like that. That's how the world makes friends, though. 
We are called to something greater, to partner together for something that is far bigger than ourselves. And then God says, from that, I will bond you. I will bind you together. I didn't know what I was going to do this week to start this series in the wise sayings or this kind of continuation in Proverbs, but I knew I wanted to do topics. I didn't know which one. And I wrestled with that. This wasn't the one that I was going to do until about midweek. Many of you know that um, my mom is in ill health, has been since I was about 15 years old. She's progressively, as she's aged, she's gotten worse in health. And it's kind of got to the point now where she really hasn't left her house in a decade other than to go to the doctor. Someone has to take her there. And, and even now, you know, the, the area of, the, of her home that she lives in and operates in, like it, it shrinks, it seems like, every year. I'm an only child. My dad's been passed away now for 18 years or so. My mom, you know, has me and, and maybe one other family member to take care of her. And um, anyway, I love my mom very much. And so I try to do my best. And a couple of weeks ago, um, her air conditioning, she has a big air conditioning unit. And it went out. But it didn't just go out, but the plug that it was plugged into burned. And so like to replace that wasn't just going to buy an air conditioning, but it was trying to figure out how to fix that plug. And so I was immediately distressed about what do I do and how do I... And, and so I, I had a stopgap measure. I took a portable air conditioning up to her and it was doing okay until we hit this sauna of heat that we had been in for the last couple of weeks. And, and progressively, that little portable AC that I had was not doing the job. And I'm desperately trying to figure out what to do. I live an hour away. I don't know any electricians, so I'm trying to seek out and find somebody to, to correct this problem. And I... I Everything I try is a dead end. And it kind of culminated this past week when it was so hot. And, and so my mom calls me a couple of nights and she's crying because it's so hot in her house and, and it's making her sick. And I just, like, I don't know what to do. How to fix something like that. And, and I, I have, like, my wife's my best friend. I, I, I have people to talk to, but when you're a son and it's on you to fix these things and I don't know what to do. And so I'm going to bed a couple of nights this week stressed about, I don't know how to fix this and I can't find anyone to fix this. And so I did what I knew to do and I cried out to the Lord and I asked God to help and to show me how to help. And I prayed from Proverbs that says God takes care of those who are poor and in need and so I prayed those promises and from that prayer God God gave me a name of a brother in this church who isn't here today so they'll make it a little bit easier and and I immediately when he gave me that name I thought well I'm not I'm not calling him because I'm not you know I don't call in I don't call and ask people to do things, but you know this is not a simple run by my house. This is like a an hour away, and like I, you know, and this guy owns his own business, and he's he's busy, and and so, but it just kept coming back. I don't know what to do, so I, I finally I just pick up the phone, I call this guy, and 
And I wouldn't be a good car salesman or a salesman of any kind because I start every sales pitch with, you really wouldn't be interested in whatever. So I don't know. I'm trying to explain to him what's going on and I'm trying to tell him about what's happening. And, and I just, all I remember saying is, man, I just, I don't know what to do. I just want to help my mom. And within like 90 seconds, he said, he said, I want to help her too. He said, we got it. He said, we'll do it tomorrow. He said, I'll call you. And after lunch, he called me and he said, all right, I'm ready. Let's head that way. And he drove an hour and 15 minutes from wherever he was and he met me up there and he spent the next five hours. And he didn't just do like the thing I asked him to do was like, like fix this plug. Like he fixed the plug. He put in new breakers. He like did everything he could to make sure she, she was safe. And then he said, all right, let's go to the hardware store. So we went out to the, to the hardware store and he helped me pick out the right AC that was needed to replace the other one. And then he spent two and a half hours helping me to replace that AC and put in that new window unit. And he did all of that at his own expense, expense to himself. And I can't, I can't explain to you. This is the, we try to tell stories and share stories like it. I know I can't explain this to you in a way that you will connect with the way that I did. But what he did deeply touched my soul. Two times I tried to tell him what it meant to me and both times I broke down. And the only thing that I can really say to you about what that guy did in setting aside his own business, like it wasn't like he took off some vacation time. Like he set aside his business. He didn't make money to give his day to go. And the whole time he was there, he served with excellence. He was jovial. There was never a moment where I felt like I was bothering him. I just, you know, I kept saying, man, I'm sorry. And he's like, hey, what are you saying? Where it, it felt like two friends hanging out. We were hanging out in 120 degree heat, but we were hanging out. And my mom went from two nights in a row crying, telling me how hot she was, to I left that night and she said, it's cold in here. <laughs> and all I, I really know to say to you is that what he did And the reason it touched me so much is it reminded me God hears my prayers. Because I cried out to the Lord and that brother in this church was his answer. And I knew what I was going to talk about today. Do you not see do, do I not see that we can divide over so many things. We can argue about so many things. We can we cannot trust each other. We can assume motives. We can do all of these things that would please the enemy. But at the end of the day, we could live in such a way that we can be God's answer to someone else's prayer. And like Mike said, he has put us here intentionally. I say that it doesn't it doesn't matter to me if this is the well it would matter if this is the last day you're here, but. Even if you were here just for one day, God's put you here intentionally.
But those of us he's put in this fellowship to be together, like he's done it intentionally. He knows your gifts. He knows what, how he's gifted you. He knows what other people need. And we can live in such a way, if we choose, that we can be God's answer to someone else's prayer. But it will require of us investment. It will require of us sacrifice. It will require of us setting aside ourselves to love someone else well. I've been doing this thing where I, I sign out the prayer focus. I've got about six guys that are helping me with that. And what I've asked them to do is, hey, when it's your week, pray about what God would, would have us pray about and get up and present it. And I assigned those things a few weeks ago. And Mike Darden was assigned this week. And Friday, when all of this was laid out, and I'd already had the sermon kind of in my mind, and all this stuff had happened, I texted Mike and I said, hey, did you know, do you remember the prayer focus? And he said, yeah, I got it. And he sent it to me and he sent what's in your handout. And I just looked at it and I laughed. And I said, God has this whole thing rigged. Proverbs 18.24 A man of many companions or friends may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The wisdom here is that it is not the number of friends that you have that guarantees you will be rich in your relationships. It is the quality of your friends that matter. Pastor and theologian Tim Keller says, in the early stages of your life, you are shaped mostly by your family. But for the rest of your life, you will be shaped largely by your friends. You will become like the people with whom you spend the most time. And the highest quality of friends that you can have, I make the case to you today, are the ones who love and care for you in the manner and the likeness of Jesus. And Agape, the exhortation that I am planting my feet on today is that you will not get these quality of friendships casually, merely getting together with other people to hang out. That's great. Do that. But that's not where these friendships are going to come from. You're not going to find these quality of friendships by just getting finding people that have similar interests that you can do life with. These type of friendships, these highest of quality friendships come from mutual partnership and participation in the fellowship of the believers. We give ourselves to that and the friendships come. The highest quality friendships you could have. And I believe that's what Proverbs shows us. So I want to spend a little time mining out some of the wisdom that we see. Practical wisdom in Proverbs for Christian friendships. Five observations from Proverbs that gives us practical wisdom on Christian friendships. Number one, in your notes, to begin. And when I say to begin, I mean to begin this journey. Give what you hope to receive. How do I start? Give what you hope to receive. Here's the reality. Everyone, everyone, with no exception, at some point will struggle in community. Sometimes it's going to be because you find yourself in a brand new place. Sometimes it will be because you find yourself in the same place you've always been, but that place is changing around you. And the fact is, you're changing too. 
as we all change, as we age. We're all going to go through times in our lives where the bonds of friendships don't seem to be there. You can take these principles, apply them at a, at a new job or in a new neighborhood or even in just your everyday going around life, but certainly we apply them in the church. So what do we do? What do we do when we find ourselves at that place where we're really struggling in community? And I believe the biblical principle is control what you can control and trust God with what you can't control. And what you can control, at least in this scenario, is yourself. What you can control is how you treat others. Proverbs 11.25 says, Whoever brings a blessing will be enriched. And whoever waters will himself be watered. And the wisdom of Proverbs 12.14 says, The work of a man's hands will come back to him. It is the New Testament principle of you will reap what you sow. Now, you may not reap it in the time frame that you would like to. It may not come back to you as quickly as you hope. But the principles of Proverbs and the principles of wisdom and what God has laid out for us is if you bring blessings, you will be enriched. If you water, you will be watered. What you sow you will reap. So church, do you want friends who love you like Jesus? Then be someone who loves others like Jesus. Start there. Love them when they're not lovable. Because that's what Jesus does for us. Love them when they're going through hard times. Walk with them through difficult times because that's what Jesus does for us. Look for the best in them. Don't distance from them when they're at their worst because Jesus doesn't distance, does not distance Himself from us when we're at our worst. Sacrifice yourself to give them a measure of life because that's what Jesus does for us. My brother this week, the one I mentioned, looked a lot like Jesus to me. Give and invest in people. Plant and water in your church and trust that the principle of wisdom is that God will ultimately bring you back what you're giving. The alternative is to wait until it is brought to you and then you give it to someone else. And I think if we read the Bible, we know that is not how God has designed things to work. And we have to be patient. Because growing takes time. And it's up to God. And so it may require us to go to Him over and over and say, God, I'm doing this. I'm doing this. I don't seem to be reaping. But God, I trust You. I trust that Your Word is true, so I'm going to keep after it. So to begin, give what you hope to receive. Secondly, celebrate your differences because or they point you to Christ. Celebrate your differences. I think sometimes we're scared of being different. Sometimes we're scared of being friends with people who are different. We are, we are drawn toward people, a lot of us, something that's not true for everybody, but a lot of us, we're drawn toward people that are like us. We're drawn toward people that have our personality. We're drawn toward people that have our thought process, our 
our likes, our dislikes. The church is a whole different animal, though. That's not how God designed it to work. Proverbs 22.2 says, the rich and the poor, and, and in Proverbs, that would be two groups that are very naturally divided and would not be in community. But the rich and the poor have this in common. God is their maker. It is wisdom to remember that the common bond among every single one of us in this room is that we are created in God's image and every single one of us need rescue from sin. That is what binds us together. That we are made in the image of God and we need Him and we need His rescue. We need the Gospel. So if you and I, I said this earlier, but I'm going to reiterate it. If you and I only seek to bond with people who are like us, look like us, share our interests, have our personalities, then we're making friends like the world makes friends. Age can be a natural divider. Proverbs 20.29, though reminds us of an important principle. The young have strength. The old have experience and wisdom. The glory of the young man is his strength. The glory of the older person is their experience and their wisdom. In a church, you need both. We've tried to, I don't think we've ever, not at agape, but by the grace of God, I, I don't think, but in the church in America, we try to grow the church by separating people as much as we can and putting them into groups where they are in groups where people are in the same age brackets just like each other. And, and we try to grow the church that way. God's method is all of us together. I'm not saying there's not times to, to be with people that are your age. I'm not saying that. We, we do some of that here. But God brings us all together and says, this is your community. So, learn from those who are older and wiser. And when the hill out front needs cut, put the younger people out there. Amen? Amen. In other words, we all have virtues. Both are needed in the church together. When we make friends, here's the principle I, I, I want us to get. When we make friends who are different from us, when we love each other in a church even though we're really different, that, that is a clear sign to the world that God is among us. That is a clear sign that God is doing a work. Observation three, community works best for those who desire to learn through transparency. Community works best for those who desire to learn through transparency. This wise community, this koinonia, this fellowship, when I say it works best, I mean when it works as God intends. Here's a stinging proverb. It stung me, Proverbs 18.1 says that whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. Now, let's just be clear. You can isolate by getting away from everybody, or you can isolate in the middle of everybody. But what God is telling us, the principle that God gives, is that we might have a million reasons to isolate, but at our core, isolation ultimately comes... Because our heart says, I want what I want. And I don't really want to have anyone else telling me something different. I don't really want to hear a different view. I don't really want the chance to be corrected or instructed. I just want to live my life. 
those who isolate seek their own desire. To grow spiritually, to have the highest quality of friendships you can, not just multiple friends, but the highest quality of friendships that you have, that you can have, you must be willing to let people into your life. That means you must even be willing to let people into your failures. We must have relationships. If we want the highest quality friendships we can, we must have relationships that are open and frank, honest, and accountable. We have to be willing to let people love us who might offend us at times so that we can grow and be discipled. No one wants to be offended, but we must be willing because there are times where our flesh needs to be offended. And sometimes we have to be willing to take a risk of offending someone when we see them going down the wrong path because God has put us in, our, in their life for that purpose. Proverbs 29.5 says, A man who only flatters his friends ultimately is setting them up to fall into a trap. If we only have friends that just flatter us all the time and tell us how great we are and, and even point out our really good qualities and they, they make us feel good and we need friends who will do that. But if that's all we have, those friends are setting us up for failure. Because not everything about us is good. Proverbs 27.6 though gives us this principle. You can trust the wounds of a friend. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. A koinonia friend doesn't just tell you what you want to hear. They challenge you. Sometimes they will wound you in love because they tell you what you need to hear to protect you from sin and to help you grow like Jesus. And without those friendships, we can't grow. And without being willing to listen to those friends, we can't grow. To be a wise church, we have to open ourselves up to one another. This happens slowly. I, I don't think it's all that wise to meet somebody, spend about an hour with them, and then just enter into this, let me tell you some things that I see that maybe you need to correct. But we get in community together. We start getting to know each other. We start opening the Word together. We start praying for one another. We start listening to one another. And we build the kind of friendships that will then allow this frank, open, honest transparency that is for our good. Two more from Proverbs. True fellowship is a strong source of mental and emotional health. True fellowship, this koinonia fellowship, is actually a source of mental and emotional health. So not only is this koinonia that we're talking about today a way in which God instructs us and a way in which He helps us, but it's a way in which He is ordained for our well-being. Proverbs 12.25 says that when you are struggling with anxiety in your heart, you are weighed down by the troubles of your mind. A good word will lift your spirits. A good wise, godly word will lift your spirits. You need the good, godly, wise words that people can give you. And other people in this church need the good, God, godly, wise words you can give them. You studying the Bible is what leads you to have those good, 
godly, wise words. They don't just need human thoughts. They need Scripture. So you're studying to grow, but you're studying to help others grow. And God intends joy to come through you to others. And He intends joy to come into you from others. Sometimes we we will wrestle emotionally and mentally because we isolate. When God needs us, God says we need the koinonia. I wrote in my notes, engage, exclamation, exclamation, exclamation. What What I wanted to exhort you to there is, there are people in this church who need the good, godly, wise words that you have. There are some people in this church that maybe only you can reach. And you need their words as well. And unless we're being intentional to build community together and to go and invest ourselves in the times where we can build that community, we don't have the relationships where these words can be exchanged. I'm keep hammering away over and over. We need to engage in community. The opportunities here are small groups and Bible studies and times of being together. And we need it, we need it, we need it, we need it. For our own health and well-being. And then finally, God has ordained for the success of your plans to come by the wisdom of your friends. God has ordained for the success of your plans to come by the wisdom of your friends. We learn in the fellowship. We are gladdened through the fellowship. And the friends of the fellowship have a role to play in the success of your plans. That's how God has designed it. Some of that, I think, God uses the friendships of the koinonia to confirm to you that you have the right plans. And He also provides these friendships in the koinonia to give you the wisdom that you need to see those plans come to pass. So Proverbs 12.15 gives us this nugget of wisdom. A fool assumes their ways are right and therefore they won't listen to advice. A foolish person develops a desire, comes up with a plan and assumes that's, that's, the, that's the right thing to do. I don't need input. Don't need to put that out there to anybody. This is good. Fell safe. Proverbs 15.22, however, gives us the wisdom principle that when we listen and heed the advice of multiple counselors, wise counselors, our plans will succeed. God has rigged it and ordained in such a way that some of the plans of your life will only come to pass in a successful way through the fellowship of the believers and godly counselors because He is ordained to grant us wisdom through them. I love this church. Not that it is anything, but we've been here for 19 years in August. This church, the people in it, God has used in 19 years to mold me and shape me into who I am today. And I pray I'm better next year and five years from now and ten years from now. I'm a better godly man than I am today. And it is 
the wisdom of this church over the years, the people in it that God has used for that purpose. And I keep saying to us over and over in this series, I want us to be a wise church. But this is wisdom. And there's virtually nothing I said this morning that's easy. There's virtually nothing I said this morning that even necessarily meets with our ideals of what friendships are or how we gain them. But it is the wisdom of God. And like we said last week, the call is always before us. Choose this day who you will serve. Choose this day who you will believe. Sometimes believing God and responding to Him and doing the things that He has called us to, it is hard. But as my mentor used to say, used to say sometimes God puts you in a place where the only way forward is to step out in faith and step out in trust of Him. And that is how He grows you. C.S. Lewis said in an essay on friendship, new friendships often start like this. What? You too? I thought I was the only one. One teacher said friends don't need to be alike. They just need to discover how much they have in common. And what I present to you this morning, Agape, is that our common bond is our need for Jesus. We must realize that we need to be rescued from sin and have fellowship with God. To be a true friend or to receive a true friend, you must first become a friend of God through Jesus Christ. We cannot have friendships in this room that are meaningful without first having fellowship with the Father. So this morning... I want to invite our worship team to come back up. They're going to lead us in singing and and praying and responding to God's Word. And I want to start here with godly friendships. If you have never done so, repent and be baptized. Repent of your sins. Ask Jesus for rescue to make you a friend of God and be baptized publicly as a declaration of that faith. It is the first thing that He calls you to do when He says, follow Me. Be baptized as a public declaration. A crying out from the external what you are doing internal. Crying out to the Father to be saved. And if you have come to know Him, and you have faith in Christ, then take the next obedient step What is that? It's probably different for every one of us around this room. It is the thing that God is saying to you right now. It is what He has laid before you to do. Be obedient. Take that step of faith. And maybe this morning, it is to open yourself up and give yourself to the wisdom of the fellowship by praying to be someone who is willing to be more open and transparent. Because maybe you isolate and hide a lot of the times because you're afraid to let people in on your failures. So it's hard for people to really be your friend because they don't really know you. Because you're hiding that place, that that part of your life that you wrestle with so much. Or maybe He is calling you to begin to serve and invest in people in a way that you haven't before. To be that friend that people need. 
because you often hold yourself back. Or maybe it's something totally different. You can bring the lights down. I want to ask our prayer partners if you were assigned this morning to pray. We invite you to come. We're going to have some people that are willing, ready, able to pray for you today about anything. It may be about this. Or it may be about something totally different. So if you have a need this morning, maybe it's of healing. Maybe it's of something that we haven't even really talked about this morning, but it's a burden that you brought in here today. And maybe a way of working this out, of becoming and growing in friendship, is to confess that burden to someone this morning and let them pray for you. If you're struggling in your relationship with Jesus, please, please, whatever that looks like before you leave this morning, would you let me know that? If you don't want to talk to me directly, there's some cards on the back table where you can fill in what's going on. Drop it in the offering box on your way out and I'll contact you this week. Or you can come talk to Nick. We'd love to pray with you about your relationship with Christ. When it comes to responding to God, the only thing wrong we can do is not respond. So Father, I pray this morning that You will make us a wise church. A church filled with wise friendships because, God, we are embracing koinonia, the fellowship of the believers. God, I pray that You would speak to each one of us, myself included, and let us know what is that next obedient step we need to take into this koinonia and into these friendships. What do we need to do and give us the courage to do it in obedience to You, believing that You are our God and that when we water, we will be watered. And that the work of our hands that You put us to, we'll, it will come back to us. You have designed it that we seek our own good by serving others for their good. Help us to believe that. Make this, God, a church of friendships. Not so that we are an isolated church where no one can break in, but God, rather that we're a church that's always looking to embrace those that are coming here as part of that fellowship. And that every person here and every person in the future here would be inside of a home. A friendship's because we've embraced the partnership You've put before us. God, please let that be true of us. And God, help us now to respond to You. Speak to our hearts. Whatever we need to do. God, if it's stand up and sing at the top of our lungs, if it's kneel and pray, if it's be prayed for, if it's to speak to someone, whatever is needed, God, right now, would You break walls down, move Your Spirit among us, and help us, God, to respond to You as we should. In Jesus' name, Amen.